0: Hey everybody, Bill from Bill and Rob's here. In today's episode, we come up with some interesting merch ideas based on Howard the Duck. Well, guess what? That merch is a reality. We now have a fully functional merch store. It's at bonfire.com. You can go there and search for Bill and Rob's. We'll also provide some links to it. And you can check out those items along with some Bill and Rob's and Excellent Adventure branded items, t-shirts, mugs, all kinds of stuff there. And we're going to be having some really fun stuff coming that way in the future. So head on over there, find something you like and make sure you bookmark it and come on back and check it out because we will be adding new stuff on down the line. Thanks so much for supporting the show.
1: Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I'm Rob Schulte, and with me, as always, is Bill Tilly. Bill, I gotta tell you, buddy, I am recovering. I'm recovering from Bug Con, the last Bug Con.
0: You do look a little peaked there, Robs. What exactly is this Bug Con that you speak of?
1: It's best li- with uh, as few details as possible set on our podcast, but I did get flown to Phoenix, and I got this visor if those of you who can see so uh i'll answer questions later but i think what's bringing me peace right now is that we have a guest on today's episode today we have the writer of the comedy sci-fi classic bubble as well as podcast jordan jesse go jordan morris is here hey jordan
2: hi hi everybody uh good to be here and uh fuck you for making me watch this movie
1: I, well, you know, we we did it to ourselves. We're, it's a bit of self-loathing. Yeah. Sure uh,
2: no, I get it. Uh, <laughs> we're all bad boys. We
0: need yep. to be punished with bad, bad movies. Yep. Losing so, friends and not influencing people since 1986. That's the <laughs> tagline of this movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously we'll get into it, but <laughs> I was not prepared. If someone
1: didn't look at the title of today's episode we did watch howard the duck the george lucas classic first marvel movie but more on that bill we should probably read the back of the vhs box to just get things started
0: you've got the box there in handy don't you i
1: do right here Movie wizard George Lucas presents this comedy adventure about a fast-talking, cigar-chomping, beer-loving duck from a parallel universe who somehow winds up in Cleveland. The incredible fantasy has Howard the object of everybody's desire. In love with rock singer Leah Thompson and doing battle with the evil dark overlord as he attempts to return to his own planet... Featuring the songs of Thomas Dolby and the special effects magic of George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic Company. What else could you ask for
0: in a Marvel film? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. And not you couldn't ask for anything more in 1987 than what you just said. Now, Jordan, you're a comics guy,
1: at least to a certain extent. Sure, yes. Y- you've written some, you've done incredible things, but... Just for those who don't know, what is your connection to Marvel Comics? And did you ever even read Howard the Duck?
2: Yeah. So I yes, I did read Marvel Comics growing up. I, I grew up in the kind of 80s, 90s. So obviously, those like Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, X-Men are very big for me. Yeah, I was a I was an X-Men kid. I was a Spidey kid. I think Spidey's still my guy. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and I yeah, and I like kind of came back to comics when the kind of Ultimate Brian Michael Bendis stuff was all the rage and kind of like got back into Marvel comics through that stuff which is so so good. And yeah, and I still read a fair amount of Marvel books today and enjoy the movies. Kind of I realized that they have their ticks, some of which <laughs> are on display in this movie. Um, but for the most part, I I I I enjoy the kind of MCU output, even though it has its warts. I it, I, I still really like it and like seeing those like comic characters uh, come to life. So totally warts and all, it's fun to see on
1: film. Totally. Um, I don't know, Bill, Jordan, and I seem to have been in the same comic universe. I read X Men as a kid. I was a Spidey kid. The cartoons really spoke to me as well helped me bridge that gap from visual to reading but you were in the thick of it we've talked about that on some of these other mcu uh, related episodes that we've recorded or pre-mcu as i should say but did you read howard the duck did you read the strip did you do any of that as a
0: youngster so i never read howard the duck proper i knew who howard was because i read a lot of marvel books back then in the 80s you would get those in-house ads for all the other books and you would see howard every once in a while and there was always that big howard with the defenders and i was a big defenders reader still am so i knew steve gerber's work through the defenders i didn't really know it through howard
1: he were you a big pop- uh,
0: man thing guy no, because that kind of was more towards the horror thing, but the idea that uh, that he could slip in the title giant sized man thing and put it on the comic <laughs> spinner rack and for eight year olds to see, you Genius.
2: know, I've never, that has never occurred to me that <laughs> yeah. that is the filthiest possible name for a superhero. Absolutely yeah, is. I've it got like a totally.
1: piece of anime sweat going on my forehead
2: right now, right? just from you thinking yeah. that and saying that. So, yeah. No, why I haven't didn't they know. rebooted that why isn't that why isn't there a man <laughs> thing movie <laughs>
0: oh yeah. there is and it's not good oh is Ooh. there yeah the sci-fi channel made one in the early 2000s it's in name only wow. we will not, not be
1: good. adding that to our list of episodes
0: it's on there but we
2: chose not to <laughs> listen if you're doing if listen if you're doing this piece of unwatchable
0: trash surely surely the man thing movie is well watch. if they had named it giant size man thing i think that probably would have done they yeah, it. they just been anything p- in the titles too pedestrian I, behind cool. the
1: beaded curtain of marvel movies Whoa, behind the mossy <laughs>
0: green door yeah
1: anyway yeah. well maybe we should get into some of the uh interesting cast of characters in this show so Bill, why don't you run us through some of the uh, cast crew credits?
0: So the writers were Willard Hayek, I hope I'm saying his name right, and Gloria Katz. They had worked on Temple of Doom and some of the Indiana Jones stuff and American Graffiti. This was a Lucas project, so you had some of the standard Lucas names all involved. He brought all of his power to this movie, and it was based on a character created by Steve Gerber, who also created Man-Thing and worked with the Defenders and did a lot of books for Marvel. He was well known as being a real kind of satiric writer so a lot of his very adult theme very gotcha type stuff seeps into here you'll notice if you can draw any parallel between this and a modern movie i think it's deadpool i think howard was very deadpoolish for his day a lot of look to camera a lot of mm. can you believe this shit is what's happening kind of stuff yeah. that's what steve excelled at the director willow hayek this was his Last movie, I believe, after this, not a great ending for him. He had done a few other things, but uh, actually, he was the second choice. I understand for this movie, uh, Lucas wanted John Landis. So, if you can imagine a John Landis Howard the Duck movie, you might have I, I, really I don't had think something. This
2: movie has to be bad. I think there is sure. a good version of Howard the Duck somewhere. Uh, there is, and I can totally see like how these are fun comics. I didn't read it, but I know Chip Zdarsky kind of tried to rehab Howard the Duck semi-recently, and I'm like, oh, that seems like a good marriage of like writer and material. I, 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 yeah, I don't think Howard the Duck is the problem here. Yeah, I think that it's the execution.
1: Totally execution. And Bill, you said, you know, Willard wasn't the first choice. Well, there's a lot of. Not first choice, I think, going into this movie. Um, there
0: are. This is a duck with an absolutely paddling furiously under the water and going nowhere in a lot of places. Ooh. So I <laughs> kind of have a theory on you that. For, which... and
2: thank you for uh, sticking to the duck puns that this movie loves. <laughs> so
0: I am. Much, I am movie. consistent. I'm a man I, of consistency. Yeah, oh, and of course, what? they
2: never say water off a duck's back, do they? No. Whoa. How do you leave that out? How do you do a whole movie of wall to wall duck puns and leave that off? I really wish
1: there would have been like alternate names for people, like in the closing predator type credits where it would be like freeze frames. I want their like yeah. duck version, you know? Sure. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Like they do on the grand tour where they just rename themselves depending on where they've gone out for the day. So that would have, have been Could have done weird. Mallard it- Yuck. Yeah, <laughs> I was Tim. trying to
2: think. Is there a duck? Leah Thompson? Is there, you know, Ooh. Tim? You know, I think because the- they kind of like Bob for their food. Oh. That's not great, but but would know, but it, it would is be the than this anything film. in this movie, though. Yeah,
1: exactly. True. See, we're just firing on all cylinders here, guys. Yeah, Leah Thompson, Tim Robbins, Ed Gale was the main actor within the suit. Then a couple of different voices like Tim Rose and Chip Zian. They had all of the pieces. They just were making a different puzzle, I think. I do want to say guys, that I was doing some online research about this. I doing my own research about this movie. And I came across a Reddit quote from someone who had watched this for the first time on TV. And they said that this movie was so surreal that I recall watching it on TV and seeing a streaming ticker tape announced that Princess Diana had passed away. And I really had to wait to figure out if that had actually happened or if it was part of the movie.
2: This movie is so irreverent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just really feel like that is... Unfortunate that a movie is so, like you said, irreverent. That like right. you can't even like, tell. Right,
2: in- it's like, so like tonally incoherent. You know, exactly. Like, is this news announcement part of the movie, you know, right, like you wouldn't know that that's real.
1: And when like the gremlins, you know, and gremlins take over the camera and stuff, like there was these themes going on in weird, silly horror. Yeah comic-y
0: movies. Well, it's kind of one of those weird things of you've had so many people involved and they've all got a different look at it, but this movie doesn't really adhere to any one tack. It's not all satire. It's not all zany. It's not all anything. It's like a hand grenade to your brain. It throws all this stuff at you. And then you kind of have to sort out what you've been right. given because it just goes in every direction. You can't you can't tell from one minute to the next if the movie's taking itself seriously, if it's making fun of itself, is it making fun of us for watching it? You know, just what is it's, happening it's, with it's this? It's cokey. It's just cokey. It's
2: eighties. It's just like they just had all these ideas, and no one said, "Don't do that," <laughs> or like, "Let's do this long scene where they're piloting a tiny plane." And it'll be 30 minutes of plane gags. It, yeah, it's just, it, it feels like it's like a little kid telling you a story. It's like, yeah. and then, you know, and then this, and then this, and then this. And, oh, really? And then her band is trying to get off the ground, but then the Dark Lord comes, and he needs energy from from the nuclear power plant, but they have to get the key so Howard can take the laser and ride. And it's like, what? Yeah, I mean... yeah. And I know if you describe any comic book thing like this it can sound crazy but I think I do think this is especially incoherent and and focusless.
0: In a way I think this plays into the time because this is post Return of the Jedi where Lucas is famously, you know, separated from his wife and a lot of his staff who had been the people that had kind of kept him in a rudder. They'll tell you all through the Star Wars years that like George would come up with things and other people would kind of inject the humanity or put in the words that keep the ship going in a direction that makes sense and relates to people but if you left him alone it'd just be like well what if we just have to have a lying duck come down and he'll, he'll, he'll just be a duck but everybody at else at the
2: did. end he plays guitar on uh, stage yeah.
0: and everyone loves him but they're singing yeah, and, a song about him while he plays the guitar and like you said jordan there was there's nobody there to go though george that's a terrible yeah. idea and I, so and it, and it shows and i and i and i love george i think you know, like cold take.
2: George Lucas is a genius, and like Star Wars is brilliant. And I obviously like the conversation about George Lucas has changed a lot in in recent years. But I I, I do think he is he he's he a, built he's some a of the things we love. Yeah, you know? and and he and he has influenced culture more than most. But maybe we don't ask George Lucas what's funny. Yeah, maybe, maybe we <laughs> maybe we don't go to George Lucas for comedy. We go to him for world-building and uh, grand-scale ideas absolutely a yeah. uh, metaphor uh sure but yeah we we maybe we don't go to go to george for for our yucks you know although i would i would pay money to see
1: one night of george lucas at the improv i think just for the experience
2: oh, yeah no i get it i get yeah <laughs> so has anybody here read joseph campbell you know the weird part about the hero's journey is that it starts in a place of safety.
1: Why is it why is it when I'm at the grocery store in my mansion that I always
0: get the squeaky wheel?
1: <laughs> Bill, you put together the segments for the pre-MCU series. What's the first one we got?
0: This is the segment where we take a look at some interesting and fun or shocking things we've discovered. And I know the idea of finding anything interesting, fun, or shocking about Howard the Duck just really blows your mind. But we call this segment "What's Under the Mask."
1: One of the fact that, like everyone talks about, you know, duck nudity in this movie. But I think I think it's shocking to see it right in the first five minutes.
2: Very unexpected. I I definitely like this is a movie that I that I think I probably did see a couple minutes of on cable growing up, but had never watched all the way through and did just kind of know it from, you know, its reputation as a bomb. And Mm -hmm. yeah, one of the things you hear people say a lot about why this didn't work is like, oh, it's got this weird sexuality like he's he's he and Leah Thompson have a weird romance, but also there's like duck nudity. And so I was just shocked that out of right out of the gate, we get several pairs of duck tits.
1: Yes. It just feels like they are just throwing everything at the wall. As silly as that sounds.
0: And it's, I saw this movie a lot when I was a teenager, this was a heavy rotation movie, believe it or not. Back in the satellite TV days, I probably saw this movie half a dozen times, if not more before it rotated out, honestly watching it again, didn't remember the duck tits It flew. It flew quote unquote right by me to the point where I had to look back and go, I don't, why did I not remember this part? I remember everything else, but not this. And it just really went to show that like you watch this movie and it, it kind of starts out and you're thinking this is a kid's movie. And then it's suddenly not a kid's movie. And then from there, it's just, you don't know what to do with it. So it, almost throws you a shock so hard when you're taking this ridiculous concept of everybody else is human except we have a walking talking thinking duck and that alone needs to be framed in some way and the fact that this movie doesn't really frame it and just starts going crazy with it it's no wonder to me that i only have like these visual memories of about 10 to 15 seconds a piece from watching this the (laughs) first time around to piece it together
2: I mean, I kind of respect how it started. When it started, I'm like, okay, this might be kind of fun. Like, maybe people just kind of didn't get this. Like, you know, the world building is fun. Just going around his room and seeing all the duck versions of, you know, movie posters. There's some George Lucas self-referential stuff going on in this movie. And one, the Raiders of the Lost Ark is Breeders of the Lost Stork. (laughs) breeders yes. is am I missing something is that anyway I, I guess that's that's the only like bird thing we see it's all duck except for this thing is breeders of the lost stork anyways
1: you know um, I, I was very thrown by that one too because in a movie that has a lot of things stretched That one is like, well, yeah. Oh, my God. Just watch the dailies, guys. We could just switch out any of these posters for anything
0: else that we want. But Temple of Loon. Uh, There it is. I don't know. I was very out yet. But oh, yeah, I was very fond of the splash dance one myself. I thought that one was great. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And it's like nobody really seemed to. Ever, It had to be from day one on this movie just going, what are we doing? Because you think of like a naked gun, and from the minute you kind of roll into it, you get it. Like if you see something that crazy on the wall, you'd go, ah, you know, got it. I can process it and roll with it. And this movie is just – it starts out that way, and you think, all right, this is great. And then, boy, does it really kind of take a hard shift. All this went over my my head in my younger days. But even still, I was – i maybe because I was a youngish teenager, I still didn't get the joke on some of these things, so. True. I think that I'm starting
1: to realize uh why Robin Williams quit after about a week on this show. <laughs> Did was Robin Williams supposed to be Howard the Duck? He was supposed to be the voice wow. of Howard the Duck. I didn't apparently, know. Apparently, yeah, apparently the biggest reason was because I know this was a little bit later, but like when he played the genie, he could just act and then they would animate right. to him. But he had they had already shot all of the scenes. Oh, so he had to do a voice for the movement right. of the mouth, and it just didn't work for him. Bill, was there any amazing
0: facts that jumped out to you? Uh, so yeah, I found out that this movie had a hotline that you could call before the movie came out. It was 1-900-410-DUCK. Please if anybody dials that now, contact us via many of our social medias and let us know what's <laughs> there, but you would call it up you had and to pay for our, it huh? that was a Yeah. Charge. Howard would come on and he would tell you about the movie and you might get one with some conversations with the cast. And this is such an eighties movie. Move that! I just it made me smile. I actually called one of these once for Knight Rider. You could call before the season <laughs> started and hassle off to would Kit. You, yeah, he would tell you about what the what Kit was going to look like in the new season. Wow! And I had a rotary phone, which made that very difficult. You had to find a friend <laughs> with a touchstone phone. Hmm. But yeah, you look at that and go, okay, there's the marketing and part of it. They kept it all under wraps. They didn't really show Howard at all, so you didn't really see what was going on. To you saw the movie and. They were going for spectacle, clearly, but I don't think they quite made it. And then the other one big thing that I found out was that Leah Thompson and the band, they did all their own vocals. So when you're watching this movie and Cherry Bomb's playing, those girls are rocking it out. They're doing all that stuff on stage. So I got mad respect for that, to be able to jump up there and do that. That's kind of awesome.
2: Yeah, and Leah Thompson, you know, I don't think anyone comes out of this movie looking good, but Leah Thompson is the closest thing to someone who kind of, like, survives this. Like, obviously, she's... She's an icon and an '80s icon, but yeah, I think the fact that she like does all the own, her own singing and it's it's good. Most of the songs, I guess, by Thomas Dolby and George mm-hmm. Clinton co-wrote one of them. That end oh, song, wow. about, like, yeah, I guess it's Thomas Dolby and George Clinton. Anyway, so I, I I think that Leah Thompson and and you know like looks great, looks cool as fuck in the you know kind of '80s new wave stuff, and and yeah, and her singing is terrific. So I think that like, yeah, yeah. Does anyone survive this movie? Not really, but Leah Thompson comes close.
0: It's kind of funny because Leah's, I watched one of her interviews and she mentioned that a lot of the cast after they were done, thought this movie would have been better. If Howard had been an animated cartoon, Lucas had had before thought or anybody on the team had thought this is crazy you know, let's do this this way. They would have actually beat Roger rabbit to the cinemas with that idea. I don't think they would have pulled it off as well. if They'd stuck with the same movie, but it's interesting that even they're looking around kind of going, you know, maybe this would be better if this wasn't an actual person in the suit, but I don't know. I think it kind of Lucas's style. No. And I don't think we'd be talking about it now, even with any reverence if we had, because they had to make it the way they had to do it, to actually get it to be something to talk about.
2: Wow. I I got an interesting fact that I learned. Please. Via just just perusing the IMDb page. So apparently this movie, tough on George Lucas financially. So to make back the money, he was forced to sell off his computer animation division to Steve Jobs. So he sold it to Steve Jobs, and that became Pixar.
1: Oh, my God. So this movie
2: is weirdly responsible for Pixar. We wouldn't have a Toy Story without a Howard the Duck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. seems like they should put little howard the duck easter eggs and things uh, yes as a, as a tribute i guess i guess that gets look at disney owns it all so now so yeah. anyway
1: i can't wait for the 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 new howard the duck movie with woody as a sidekick it's gonna be yeah. great
0: <laughs> it's all come home to roost for disney <laughs> there
1: <you> okay go. <laughs> and with that let's That's move roost. on <laughs> uh, they do in uh, duck world but okay. um for now we're gonna move to our new segment suit up <laughs>
0: Suit up is where we discuss the look of this movie, the costumes, the sets, you know, what fails or succeeds in living up to the image of what we're looking at from the comic books or what's impressive. Or is there anything about this movie that they do that you just cannot forgive in the way they shot it? So, Rob, did you see anything of interest that piqued you or disgusted you when you're watching Howard the Duck?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of things that all of us can say. So, out of the notes that I took, I'll just say that. I really liked the look of the punk band, the kind of new wavy. Right. It very much looks Hollywood
2: musician rocker, but I kind of really like that. (laughs) It is funny. It does seem like they're trying to kind of code them as punk. Yes. And like her, I think the punkest details I noticed. I, I'm I'm a punk music fan, so I, I noticed sure. her guitar case has a misfits and a circle jerk sticker on it. So somebody did a little too. bit of research, <laughs> but their music just sounds like Tiffany, you know, like exactly. it is not aesthetically punk in any way. I, I think it's funny just all the like local scumbags getting together in that dingy bar and listening to this very it, pleasant peppy pop music
1: yeah something that makes you feel good for the yeah. most part and yeah. hey and I like punk music too and that'll make me feel good but it doesn't make me feel like I'm at a mall which is
2: yeah. what yeah. this band just, kind of feels like right. So it's, like, it's just like someone saw a news report about punks and kind of pieced it together so yeah. Yeah. yeah so I
0: guess they tried to punk Leah up a little bit more for this movie and I saw an interview where she said yeah but she came across as so Leah Thompson that they actually toned it back Oh, to be more towards her. So she's trying her best to create kind of a punk attitude. But I guess they just loved her girl next door stuff so well from before that they just dialed it back, which in essence didn't really certainly help the punk look for it because it. I'm with you guys. It you look at it and I'm like, this kind of looks like a cover band for heart or anything. Yeah, like that. Yeah. It's just they're not bad. They really they're trying to rock it out. But when the mosh pit does not match the music on this movie at all. Well,
1: and have that roadhouse vibe to the club. It's just like there's a lot of things clanging here more than it. It's it's just interesting from what we've said before. It's like all the stuff is just not fitting in this movie in any scene you look at, you know, and we're not even to the airplane 30 minute scene that we've talked about. prior. yeah.
0: (laughs) Bill, anything's for suit up from you. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like I keep giving Leah facts because I got a little bit of a movie crush on Leah Thompson. Always have. So I mean, don't, her...
2: don't, don't we all, if you, yeah, listen, if to. you Very fair. grew up, if you grew up in a certain time, you have to.
0: Yeah. She yeah. kept all her outfits from this movie. She put them all together. She did that look to come in. So I think it's pretty neat that she actually, as much as she might not be punk, but she crafted the whole thing. So good on her for that. And looking at suits, the howard the duck suit cost about two million dollars to put together good lord does it look like two million dollars was spent on this thing it's just super complex and everything and they threw everything they could at it but you know it just kind of goes to show you that money won't always make something good and even with the limitations of the day like it's impressive but it is just a weirdest thing that you can look at that and go, I didn't know it till later and think 2 million really. And yeah. that's what you get, but you you got to give him enough that it runs around in there. So he's pretty agile in that little duck suit. So good for him for being able to move it all in that thing.
1: That's true. I'm always blinded by like how much things cost in movies, not being a professional filmmaker myself. And so sometimes I'll look at these things. And I'm like, yeah, $2 million duck suit. And then the more you like peel back the onion, you're like, what in the spirit Halloween costs two million besides maybe the puppetry? And I guess time, but I'm right there with you. Uh Jordan, was there anything in this movie that really in the aesthetic or
2: feel or look that jumped out to you? Uh yeah. I mean, I think we we mentioned the punk stuff. There's a motorcycle gang at one point you see very briefly called Satan's Sluts. Yes. I do feel like if they did make a line of satan sluts t-shirts and jean jackets now this these would sell out so they are sitting on a gold mine you can just sell those outside the roller derby and uh make yourself a million bucks there's a piece of graffiti that says (laughs) anti-art i think that's just the funniest (laughs) like set designers idea of what a anti-establishment graffiti message would be yeah it's anti-art Let's see, Howard's condom isn't in a wrapper. He has a condom in his wallet. It's just a loose condom, no wrapper. Very house party. Oh, at one point they're driving in a science van, and it says the Cleveland Academy of Sciences, and it has the best logo. The Cleveland Academy of Sciences is kind of a minimalist Brontosaurus drawing, and it kind of reminds me of the logo of the La Brea Tar Pits out in here in LA, which is the logo I love. I looked around for Cleveland Academy of Science logo <laughs> merch. I don't think there is a Cleveland Academy <laughs> of Science. I think that logo was made for the movie. Uh, it rules. Yeah, if anybody out there has an Etsy shop that's selling that, uh, let me know. I'll buy one. Yeah, and then the- you'll also buy a Satan Sluts yeah, jacket yeah, maybe not quite my vibe but i oh. have some i i know some people who would love to get that as a as a holiday a gift. great gift
0: it'd be a very howard the duck jacket to have all these patches sewn on the back of your oh yeah denim sure. jacket i
2: yeah. think howard's outfits are cool there's one it's kind of a cowboy thing he looks cool in that when he's in the kind of huey lewis thing at the end i think he looks cool there so yeah i like his little outfits those are good yeah, that's. He's really motion. well put together. I mean, he, there's no arguing yeah. with that. Yeah, there, that that stop motion monster at the end it looks great. That looks really cool. That's a great like stop motion. And all the kind of like ghostbuster y lasers
1: that come out. Are, yeah,
2: look terrific.
1: I have so much fun with that sort of effect. I don't know.
2: Totally, yeah. And if and again, if you're like an '80s kid, like there are some aesthetic touches in this that that you kind of can't help but love. It it it's. Yeah, it, it's there is a good movie in here somewhere. Yeah, there's a there's a re, there's maybe a classic in here somewhere. But yeah, it's I, just surrounded by so much dumb, unfunny nonsense. Well, and there's got to be a fan
1: edit somewhere of like a 45 minute movie that is like completely watchable that takes yeah, out. Maybe. Things. Yeah. But speaking of good, bad, give, take, Bill, what do we have next on the docket?
0: Well, this is the part of the show where we discuss whether we have an actor who gives a super performance or a bad performance. Basically, which people in this movie were our heroes or our villains? Hmm.
1: There's so much to choose from on most of the villainy side of things, but I would say I got to come back to the Leah Thompson well here. And although I love her, I'm going to just play the wild card, put her in the villain category because they just put her, and it's not her fault. She is just put in slightly too horny of situations. So it's not (laughs) Leah. It's the too horny of situations that is villainy for me, but it does give a testament to Leah Thompson's acting to have to go that far in a movie. So silly and hero side, chip zine for filling in for robin williams apparently he had like a week's notice that they're like you need to get to this set and to be able to fill a robin williams shoes that's got to be terrifying as a voice actor but i think i really liked the vocal acting of howard i thought it was a believable character and it didn't feel too over the top
0: Yeah, I agree with Rob, and I also think it was kind of inspired because in the way of casting an unknown to be a superhero, I think even back then we would have heard Robin Williams' voices, and I think that would have really done something to this movie. I'm not sure what, but to hear it come out of Howard the Duck, I don't know. I'm glad that they chose a different voice for that because Robin is so specific that – I think they would have tried to wind up crafting this movie in another way. And it's probably a good thing that, you know, when they saw it early on that it wasn't going to work. So I see your point on that one. Yeah, I wonder if, if Robin Williams
2: did do it and they just let him Robin Williams around, like if this would have all sorts of like 80s pop culture junk that he would just riff that would not make any sense. Like if you watch Aladdin, there's some 80s pop culture junk that doesn't make sense. I'm totally right there with you, would have really cemented this even more in time. Yeah, I, I wonder yeah. if he would have done like a Michael Dukakis impression <laughs> or something. And, and you know, then they would have had to do something with it anyway.
1: Yeah, no, it, absolutely. Jordan, was there a hero
2: and or a villain for you in this film? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone was just told to act like it's a cartoon because everyone is so over the top. And, you know, there is there is kind of a nice thing when the humans are acting so crazy and howard's vocal performance is a little more subdued is a little more like every man i think there is something that like that's a that's a good instinct but you know tim robbins has a couple moments i mean his acting is insane in this movie but there are a couple things that he says that i thought were kind of funny this is maybe the best worst line in the movie but so they, they take Howard to him because he's he works at, he works in, like, a science lab. And you kind of find out that he's not an actual scientist, but he's, like, a grad student or something. And when they, like, take Howard away, he says, oh, now I'll never get my own museum. <laughs> Which I think is a yeah. funny, like, misunderstanding of what a scientist is. Like, no, they don't own museums. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's either, like, a great joke or the laziest writing of all time. Uh, <laughs> who knows? I'm gonna go um, with great joke because this needs yeah, some, some bonus I'll it, points. I'll give it some credit. Yeah, if if we if we go ahead and assume that's on purpose, that is that's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's one part where he's in the back of a cop car and he's like yelling at the cop. He's like, "Give me back my baseball cap, fascist!" And I'm like, eh, "That's I don't know." There's something kind of funny about that. <laughs> there's a guy in the diner who, after like it's this big crazy special effects you know, thing in the diner. There's a lot of explosions. And after a big explosion, they just cut to a random guy who has one line who just says, he must have had the chili. <laughs> and I'm like, that guy's <laughs> line reading is pretty good there. <laughs> um, it's full of those bad, just those bad, like, asides that aren't really jokes, but, like... The, Almost
1: that. save the movie.
2: Yeah, the, that like, sort of stuff. he must have had the chili. I don't know. I kind of like that as a <laughs> yuck, yuck. Yeah, so there's kind of moments where comedy kind of sort of happens, but but very few and far between. It's,
0: it's almost always... like parts of this script were written by the same people that wrote the Bazooka Joe comic. Oh yeah, God, It just yeah. comes flying true? out of <laughs> It might be, but it's funny that you mentioned Tim Robbins because he was actually my villain of this particular oh. piece. I like Tim. I like him great, but yeah, he is he's just obviously so, been great in lots of things. He, he is just so far out there on almost every scene that he has that it's not that you dislike him. It's not that I disliked him. It's just like, he is trying to be the most wacky thing in a movie that is already far too wacky. And it just, it, it takes me to a place where I'm just like, I don't think I can follow along with you, Tim. You're wearing me out. He kind of physically wears you out watching him on the screen. Yeah. Uh, it
2: is. I totally agree with you that, that yeah, there is just an exhaustion that sets in with this. It is like, It's just so much screaming. People scream Howard so much. Howard! 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 And you're just like, what? Stop! Like, yeah, it it is just... Yeah, exhaustion is the word for it, I think. And and yeah, part of that is just like Tim Robbins being 10 out of 10 in every single scene. It's just like, fucking crazy
0: cool it you don't have to like vaudeville every single thing you say seriously you want to go like howard you got anything to calm him down in that wallet next to that disgusting open condom that you've got in there give him a break (laughs) on the flip side of that my hero is ed gale who was predominantly in the Howard the Duck suit? I listened to some interviews with Ed. This was Ed's first acting job. He was wow. on set, Whoa. as in just he was a worker in the background. They had a child in the suit and it didn't go well. And Ed got tapped to do this thing and he got put into something he'd never done before, never seen really? before in a suit he can't see out of. And when you look at that and know that one specific point, Howard takes on a different look for me. Now, you have to know that watching the movie. You don't see it, but watching it again, I'm like, he actually brings a lot of life to this duck suit, this duck, this $2 million duck suit that is not particularly impressive, sadly. But he really makes Howard a character, whether you understand what that character is doing or not, it's not (laughs) always easy to pick out. But I think he did a tremendous job for what he had to work with and being thrown into something. So Ed's my hero of this particular movie.
1: I think that's very fair, and I think it's a really good way to look at it, too, because we're having fun today, y'all. We're having a great time, but it is one of those movies where it's really easy to just, like, only trash. But when you're trying to point out the stuff that, like, that worked. You know, he did the job he was set out to do, and to be able to have his first performance there, it's like, sucks that it was not necessarily a movie that people loved, but you can't deny that he was successful in the suit.
0: And yeah, and it's really nice that his scenes with Leah Thompson, I think, are some of the best going to your point, Rob. Yeah, she's given a lot of horny material, but there's a lot of genuine nicety when they're together that humanizes Howard in a way that kind of makes you for a second believe in what's happening in here. It's like, oh, he's just a nice duck and she's a nice girl and they're having a nice moment. And it just brings you a little bit of the reality you kind of need in this crazy mess of a movie to keep watching this crazy mess of a movie.
2: And and it's like, is there. And listen, I don't want to be puritanical about it. I, I enjoy saucy moments in movies. I think that they can be a lot of fun, but yeah, I mean, if, if, if they just did have a friendship, if it wasn't the like, come to bed, Howard, like stuff that is, is gross. Yes. Like if it, I, I do think they could have just made it so that they're friends and it could have been a really sweet relationship. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah, like, obviously she's great. And and there is, like, something appealing about how, or There's, like, the physicality of the suit, the vocal performance. Like, like, the lines are bad, but, like, there are things you like about Howard. And we do still remember him. Like, we're still talking about him. You know, Howard the Duck is memorable. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's a world where... If they just played that relationship as, as sweet, maybe this this movie would have left wouldn't have tasted so foul. Foul. <laughs> that's it for
1: this Did episode, everyone. <laughs> Love it.
2: Bill, we've only got a couple of
1: things left on today's episode. I know the time flies by when you're talking about ducks, but uh we do have splash panel. Splash panel is where if we have to convince someone to watch this movie and we only have one scene to do it, which scene do you choose? Jordan, Bill and I will go first. So maybe you can. I know this is a very difficult question to ask. So aside from the creepiness of the dudes, I do like the bar scene and I like the scene, the confidence of Howard when he's becomes the manager or gets the money from the band's manager. Who's been like stealing from them the whole time. And we get the second Howard the duck fighting sequence. I think it just shows the versatility of the costume. It kind of shows the cool roadhouse vibe of the bar. Don't listen to the music because it takes you out of it, but it's a fun scene. And you also get your classic someone sliding across a bar in a venue. It's got everything in the 80s. A lot lot of
2: grabbing someone and sliding them across the bar (laughs) in the 80s.
1: And then, you know, it just made me smile. And, you know, the bad guy got his comeuppance, as it were. So that would be my scene. What about you, Bill?
0: I like that scene, Rob, because then as a kid, I was convinced that was the only way you could leave a bar. And luckily, (laughs) that's not the case. Uh, My scene is close to your scene. I picked the diner scene. Where Howard has to take on the locals in the diner with Leah and, and Jeffrey Jones's character off in the background. That's some more good fight scenes for Howard. He's scampering around, kind of getting the best of everybody and more of a kind of more of a crowd that you might recognize if you saw this scene. up and I don't want to see this scene up until the point where Leah Thompson, after they've got a hold of Howard, and she screams, "He's my boyfriend!" And the whole thing just stops. I think that one moment of ridiculous exclamation kind of cements everything that you're going to watch in when you go see Howard the Duck, because you're watching this duck fight people, and you're like, wait, Jesus, wait, what now? What's happening here? Jordan,
1: anything come to mind for you here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll shout out the finale, which is, I guess, when I was the most kind of interested. They're at the MacGuffin. It's a space laser. Everything's exploding around them, and I think you do have... A combination of like those cool ghostbusters effects you have that great stop motion monster that pops up yeah I, I, and I and i think that kind of illustrates the fun parts of the movie or this kind of like 80s sci-fi madness so i i i think if you're interested in that stuff and that's what i kind of wanted the movie to be like it spent yeah. so much time not being that but when that stuff was happening, I was kind of perked up a little bit. So, so yeah, I, I think that this movie kind of like spreads its wings uh, <laughs> in those kind of like crazier sci-fi moments. Just because, yeah, that tech and those special effects uh, really hold up great. Yeah, I
1: I really agree. I I got to that scene and I actually rewatched that scene and that scene alone more than once because I just I love watching stop animation. I love seeing where they came from. This ain't your daddy's clash of the Titans. You know, right. it's kind of fun because so quickly after this, we move away from that. Like, yeah. Exponentially.
2: Sure. So it was and good it, to it see the, like imagine a world where like just that technology kept going and things still yeah. were like CGI and puppets and suit or not CGI, but like uh, stop motion and puppets and suits and stuff like that. So yeah, that, that part of the movie is fun. It's like a display of all of the eighties tech.
1: Totally. And I will just say here, uh, before we move into our final segment of the episode, that if we come up with any more Duck-related puns, we can just email them to me as pickups, and I'll just float them in there wherever they belong. (laughs) So, Bill, we've got the Marvel mailbag. Which is final thoughts on the film. We'll quickly go around and give our you know, two to three sentence thoughts here that fill in the gaps of everything that we've already said. And then, Bill, after that, you will tell us how we rate this film. The big thing for me is that although this movie has its warts, as we discussed earlier, and doesn't really cohesively come together, it has a story, it's poorly executed, but I do think all Marvel movies should have this look. I think there's something about grainy film, almost studio lot. You know, we talk about these new Marvel films not being perfect, but there was a time when we thought Iron Man was like, holy shit, they've done it. And it's yeah. great. And I still love watching Marvel movies. You know, I'm intrigued, you know, as of this recording, She-Hulk just came out on Disney Plus, And that's awesome. Of a- freaking amazing character i have so much fun with this stuff but there has been so much that it has become hard to differentiate and i think if there was like a step back into like how the approach to the marvel films are it could be really fun to see a new marvel film with this sort of like flaming trash can alleyway just darkness to it that we may never get again in a Marvel film. We're we're not going to get another Howard the Duck or a Blade or something like that in in that aesthetic, I should say. Right. But I'm glad I watched it. Bill, how about
0: you? What are your final thoughts? So, the movie is trapped for me in a way. It seems like it's trapped between farce and something you're supposed to look at realistically. And it's tough. It's got a lot of stuff that's just kind of out there and i think certain movies particularly comic book movies it's great to have things to think about but if you give the audience everything to think about and they're constantly as this movie's going trying to figure out what is happening then you don't really have time certainly on the first go around to enjoy it or maybe if you saw this movie in the theater certainly did not want to go back and watch it again so because this is really a funny book movie, not so much comic book. Howard was made at a time where, you know, this stuff was still child's play, not as in any way it was going to be treated seriously. So to not have a clear direction for it didn't help it at all. But what saves this movie is the actors and the people involved. And once again, the reason we do this, I think this is a shining example. Of people they are not trying to make a bad movie. They're giving it everything they've got. You've got a lot of people giving it in a lot of different directions and it's not coming together always on screen. I think the biggest letdown for sure is the script, the suit, the look, the effects. We've spoken of them well throughout all this, especially for the time. You're just stuck in the story and the story doesn't really give you a good direction to go with a lot of the things, but they do give it all they can with what's on the screen you always want to say you know you can't really blame the actors you've only got to work with the story that you're given so it's definitely a movie of its time it's definitely something i probably most people wouldn't even not sure they would even call it a marvel movie even though in the promotional material some of them say howard is the first marvel superhero hmm. the reality is he's not a superhero and i think that's the one thing this movie does kind of get right without really trying is howard's just a duck with a job to do he just Mm -hmm. is a regular guy who gets put into a crazy situation and just wants to get home and we've all seen this hell he's basically jack ryan in a lot of movies that's all jack wants to do he just wants to get home so good on him for at least doing and i'm glad they picked this topic because you know a walking talking duck is the only way you're going to have a shot at this in any way shape or form so at least it gives you a lot of entertainment there's enough good stuff there to watch throughout the movie to not make it feel like you've been insulted I'll go that far you might feel like you've wasted your time if you're a certain person if you watch this movie but i don't think you'd feel like you got insulted by it it's just the best they could do and i give them all the credit in the world for that even though for sure when you get down to the storyline not not a great movie and maybe next time around you know howard will get the treatment that rocket raccoon got in the actual mcu so it can be done you're right jordan i absolutely believe there are the bones of a good movie here i just think it was a little in some ways ahead of its time it's uh, i bet landis would have done a good good.
2: job i bet yeah the landis version is probably pretty good
0: yeah i think he would have really created something that probably would have been even you know a little more scarier and a lot more Humorous in a way that's just not slapstick humor. It'd be like Ghostbusters humor or things like that that really play in. So I I yearn for the Landis movie that we didn't get. But in the meantime, I'm going to give Howard his props. He got there first, you know. So he fit the bill. They let him have his movie.
1: All right. Thank you for adding that in at the end there, Bill. Now, Jordan, final thoughts. His names. His names, Bill. There's a
0: duck pun. (laughs) Thank thank you. Oh my this God! Whole episode. I'm it's waiting for somebody to call me out on it. Thank the you, Jordan, constant. so much. Put it on my bill,
1: anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Jordan, did you have uh, any
1: final thoughts? Yeah, I,
2: I, I yeah, I, I, and I think everything, everything Bill says is correct. I, I think you can have some fun if you wanted to look up like the best of this movie on YouTube. I think if you wanted to like see some of the like Leah Thompson band performances because those are fun yeah. uh, and if you wanted to see you know some of the stop motion and kind of what the suit looks like i think you can have some fun with like the best of howard the duck on youtube i'm sure that exists and, and yeah and I, I would i would totally love to see them take another whack at this character because it, it it's it's not the character's fault that this movie stinks and yeah and I, i'm actually kind of curious to read those Chip at comics now i think maybe uh i would be totally curious to see what uh what a really cool funny writer does with the characters so so yeah hope, hopefully we get a howard disney plus series or something in the future that kind of kind of course corrects but 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 for now I, w- I would say maybe maybe don't subject yourself to the runtime of this movie but just check out some clips
1: great call now bill how do we rate today's film like what is our scale
0: this is the part of the show where we Do figure out whether or not Howard the Duck is a worthy superhero movie. Is it true to its character? It's a segment we call Hammer Time. And we have to ask ourselves, does Howard the Duck lift the hammer of worthiness? So I will go first on this one. I have a hard time with my own question. Because there's only one Howard the Duck movie. And I did not read all those comic books. I'm not a super fan of Howard the Duck. But... I do know Steve Gerber's writing. I've read some of it before. I understand what Howard was to him and what it was supposed to be. And I've said it earlier. I come back. I think Howard in a lot of ways was Deadpool before Deadpool. So keeping that in mind, it's not a good movie. We've said it all before. It's not a good movie for a story. But for what Howard's supposed to be with his with his duck foo and his suit and his miniature we don't guitar. call it
2: human foo here.
0: We don't yeah, make human puns in the yeah. human
2: world. <laughs> no, <laughs> not always like uh, man puns. I, I'm with
0: I'm with you, Jordan. I think the the worthy parts are on YouTube. Probably 35 minutes of this movie that is worthy, and the rest of it's not great. So no, I don't think this movie is worthy of Howard the Duck, but It is a fun movie, and I think in today's age, now that we've seen a lot of stuff, and we've seen a Deadpool with a comic book character, and we've seen what Rocket Raccoon and what some of the Sue, I think now people would be a little more accepting of watching this movie if they came across it. I don't know if they'd finish it. I like it. I've seen it before. I'll watch it again at some point in my life. and probably be a long time from now because it goes a long way, but that's kind of where I'm stuck at. Is it's It's not really worthy of Howard as a character, and I do hope that they do something more with this because I think, like we've said, there's good bones here and there could be a really great Howard the Duck movie down the road.
1: So, Bill, you're saying it does not lift the hammer? It does not lift the hammer. Okay. I agree with you. I couldn't Say anything extra that I haven't already said. I do not feel like this movie could lift the hammer. Jordan,
2: I'll go ahead and just agree with everything here. No, does not lift the hammer. But would I love to see Howard lift the hammer in the future? I would, and uh, I, yes, and I and I hold I hold out hope that that can happen someday.
1: I do believe that'll be in phase eight. Howard, I will mean, be they got to get to him at some yeah, point, right? Exactly. Come on, he's made one appearance after the credits. Just give us the hammer so he's in
2: uh, he's some some of those what if cartoons too Oh yeah God I love those those are good yeah Jordan thanks for joining us today yeah, is uh, there thank anything you. that you would like
1: to plug?
2: Yes. Uh, so I do a chat podcast called uh, Jordan, Jesse, go um, just kind of a pleasant goof around every week. I do that with Jesse Thorne and uh, cavalcade of your podcasting regular favorites. Uh, you can find that at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. And uh, yeah, I co-wrote a graphic novel, a sci-fi comedy, much like Howard the Duck. Um, hopefully more coherent. Um, yeah, it's called uh, it's called Bubble. I co-wrote it with Sarah Morgan. The great Tony Cliff does the art, and you can get that wherever you get your books and or comic books. It's terrific. And yeah, once
1: again, thanks for coming on. Uh, and everyone tune in. It's a great podcast and a great graphic novel.
2: Thank you. And I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't make it to
1: BugCon. Skoda-skoda. Oh, well, it, if you would like to have been flown to Phoenix without knowing it... <laughs> then uh i'm sure he'll come back as a force ghost and we'll do it all over again well bill jordan was terrific always great to live in that howard the duck world and i appreciate that he was patient enough to visit it with us but now we're done with howard the duck and we just got some credits to roll through
0: and calls to action That's right. The biggest thing you can do for us in our calls to action is please share this podcast with a friend, with a family, you know, make some business cards and pass them out to your to all of your closest, no, don't do that. That's an expense we don't wish on anybody. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. please share, subscribe. It's the it's free for you. It really gets the word out, and that's what helps us grow. You can join our Discord. We have some great people over there with some great conversations about these movies, other movies. You can talk to us. You can leave us comments. You know, let us know what it is that you like. What crazy movie do you like that nobody else around you seems to like or want to like? Robs and I will listen to you, and we'll we even will. talk about it. You can make a one-time donation to our show. You can follow the link to our Gumroad site. And if this gave you a dollar's worth of enjoyment, you can kick that back to us if it's possible. We always say make it in an amount you won't miss. It really helps us out. It helps us grow, and it helps us keep the lights on at home base.
1: To be fair, Bill, that money isn't just like us buying a Snickers bar. You know, our recording equipment costs money, our hosting costs money. These are things we're just trying to recoup until we, you know, get the million downloads that we need to reach. So any support is very, very helpful.
0: Yes, we uh, always say we don't have fans, we have friends, and we appreciate all of our friends helping us out. Rob's, what other way can they support us in this venture?
1: Oh, there's so much they can do. They can follow us on all the social media accounts at Bill and Rob's. Call our adventure line at 213-545-6176 and leave us a voicemail with all sorts of wackiness. Questions? We'll answer them. You can email us if you don't want to record your voice. We'll answer them. No questions to be answered on today's episode because the biggest question of them all was Howard the Duck? But Bill, we do have some thank yous to give.
0: Correct? we do indeed we'd like to thank jothan for our amazing show oh, art it is yes. great i love it so much uh, every time i look at it, it makes me happy hope it does oh, everybody yes. that sees it i like to thank patrick for his editing duties making us sound as good as possible which sometimes oh, yeah. probably may be a little bit of a challenge depending on what time of the day we record these things so oh, or yeah. what movie we're watching you know howard the duck can give you a bit of a hangover after you're <laughs> done seeing it Howard, the hangover. Yeah, there's true. And like to thank Draxium and Dr. Z for our kick-ass theme music and stuff that we play for our interstitials. It's great. Please go and check them out. They have band camp pages. They have their own stuff that they've done. So please follow these people and give them the same assistance and support that you're giving us. We'd really appreciate it because we appreciate them.
1: Absolutely. And finally, we got to thank Mrs. Columbo. Oh, yes allowed this film to be played in my house and then also listens to these episodes and makes sure that uh, we don't have to get any more duck puns inserted into it. She is
0: a true hero. She keeps us from quacking up.
1: Oh, Lord. And with that, Bill, if anyone missed any of the things that we said, you can check the show description. We'll be with you next time on Bill and Rob's In Excellent Adventure.
0: Hi, Craig here from The Bachelor Masters Podcast. Do you watch The Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, The Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects Uh to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app that's the bachelor masters a bridge burner podcast